Hello, I'm glad you were able to join us for Joyful Life this morning. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you that is your desire to give us the promises. Lord, we understand that we cannot merit them, we cannot earn them. But by faith, simply believing in you, we can enter into these promises, we can possess the promises. Lord, I pray that you would show us what true faith is through the example of Rahab, and that we would become like her in believing you to exist, to be all that you are, to have done all that you've done, and that all your promises are sure. Lord, speak into us by the power of your word. And Lord, let us become today women of faith, Lord. So work this in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about whether you know this or not, but I have this dog named Barnabas. You probably do. He's a huge golden doodle. And we have this um, trick that we do with him. Actually, it was taught by a friend of mine. But you put his little snack on his paw and you say, wait, wait. And then you say this prayer, thank you for my snack. Amen. And Barnabas knows that he's not allowed to take that snack until amen. And you should see him. Sometimes he's staring at it like, I want this snack so bad. But then he looks back up at me like, please, please, is it time yet? Is it time yet? But not till the amen. He must wait. In the same way. We often have to wait on the promises of God, but we inherit them. We don't earn them. We don't merit them. We inherit them. In other words, they are given to us by faith. Listen to this scripture from Hebrews 6, 11 through 12. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. This morning, we're going to talk about one of those who did not become sluggish, but by faith inherited the promises. We're going to talk about Rahab, and she is given to us both in Hebrews chapter 11 and James chapter 2, verse 25. As a woman, we are supposed to imitate a woman who is an example to us. Let me define faith for a moment for you by something Warren Wearsby said. He said this, True faith isn't just a feat of intellectual gymnastics by which we convince ourselves that something is true that really isn't true, nor is it merely a stirring of the emotions that gives us a false sense of confidence that God will do what we feel He should do, nor is it a courage courageous act of the will, whereby we jump off the pinnacle of the temple and expect God to rescue us. True saving faith involves the whole personality. The mind is instructed, the emotions are stirred, and the will then acts in obedience to God. You see, faith, simply put, is believing that God is who He says He is in the pages of Scripture that God has done all he has said he has done through Jesus Christ, and that God's word, the Bible, is absolute and true and is what we order our lives by. In Joshua chapter 2, we have this story of a woman 
who was outside God's promises, and she was even excluded from God's promises because of her profession. She was a harlot. Because of her nationality, she was a Gentile. Because of her sin, among other things, she's a liar. And because of her residency, she lived in a pagan city that was doomed to destruction. But it is this woman who came to faith, and when she did, she acted on that faith. She entered into a covenant by faith. She identified herself by the emblem of faith. She was saved by her faith. She saved her entire family because of her faith. And she entered deep into the promises of God through her faith. As Joshua 2 begins, Joshua sends two spies into Jericho. And he tells them to spy out the fortification. See how strong it is. See what they're up against. So these two spies go across the Jordan River and into Jericho. Forty years earlier, Joshua had been a spy. He had traveled with 11 other men from that side of Jordan, the side of Jordan he was on right now, to the other side of Jordan into the promised land. And there he saw the glory of what God desired to give to the children of Israel. He came back with the other 11 men, and Joshua and Caleb, Caleb from the tribe of Judah, Joshua representing the tribe of Ephraim, they gave a great report. They said, the land that God is giving us is a good land. It's full of fruit. It's perfect for agriculture. The crops of barley and wheat are amazing. And and the people, they're nothing before our God and His promises. But the 10 other spies put more emphasis on the forces against the promise than faith in the promise God had given. Instead of putting their faith in the power of what God had promised, the greatness of the promise itself, and the veracity of God who had promised them, they infected the people with fear and unbelief. And so they weren't able to enter into the promise. These uh, men so infected the people with unbelief that the people at this time rebelled against Moses and sought to find another leader who would take them back into the land of slavery, the land of Egypt. The consequence of their unbelief was that they had to wander aimlessly in the desert for 40 years. Now the people are at that same place again, the place on the edge, on the verge of walking into all the promises of God. But before they enter, Joshua sends these two spies into the land. These spies are to look at Jericho. Jericho is the fortress that guards or bars the way into the promises of God. It is the, the, the last um, bulwark against entering into the promises of God. So the spies enter Jericho, and they take lodging at the house of a harlot named Rahab. Now, in that pagan culture, it was not uncommon for an inn 
or a place of hospitality to be owned and operated by a harlot. In other words, um, these secular places were trying to provide every service that you would receive in your home. Enough about that. So Rahab owns this um, hostel, if you if you would want to say that, or this um, inn where visitors can come and receive all the comforts of home. Rahab does this, no doubt, to provide financially for her family. And she lives on the wall of the city. Archaeological evidence found in Jericho shows that there were actually two walls that were 15 feet apart, and many of the homes were built into the walls. Now, Jericho would have put the people that were least important in these walled um, houses in a boat, because when the city was attacked, these would be the people that would first be hurt or the first casualties. So that's where they would put the people that were unimportant. Thus, that's where Rahab, who was a harlot, lived. Now, this lodging that she had was strategic for the spies coming from Israel, because from her house, they could see how strong the wall was. They could look outside and see maybe the best approach to Jericho, uh, one that would be the least obvious or the least seen. Of course, we know that God did not choose the least obvious way to approach Jericho, but that's for another week. Now, the king of Jericho heard that Rahab received these two spies into her house. And he sends her a message to bring the men out and to him. Perhaps this is when Rahab realized who was staying in her house, where they were from. And instead of submitting these men over to the king, Rahab sends a message back to the king that the two spies have already left and are headed towards the fords of uh, Jordan River back to their own people. But really, she takes the spies and hides them on a roof under the stalks of flax. She then, after the spies, oh, sorry, she then, after those pursuing the spies have left the city and the city gates have been shut, and she knows that these strangers from Israel are perfectly safe, brings them out of hiding and speaks to them. She expresses her faith, the faith that is in her heart to these spies. She tells them in Joshua 2.9 that she knows that the Lord has given Israel the land. Here is a pagan woman, and she is sure of God's word and God's promise to Israel. She has heard and she believes that God dried up the Red Sea before them so that they could pass from Egypt into Canaan. Remember, this story is over 40 years old, and yet she knows it and she believes it. She has heard how Israel defeated the kingdom of the giants, Og and Sihon, who lived on the other side of the Jordan. Now, we know that Sihon was one of the giants. It tells us that he was of the tribe of the giants. His bed, according to Deuteronomy 3.11, was 13 to 14 feet long and 6 to 8 
feet wide. Imagine the size of this man to need a bed this large. These were great kings, and these were great kingdoms. These were no doubt the kingdoms that the ten spies who gave the bad report saw and were so terrified by. But God in His providence defeats these giants first and then brings Israel back to the place of promises. In our life, it's important to realize that God has already defeated the greatest foes against us. Sin and death have already been defeated through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now the rest of the promises are open to us simply by faith. Rahab's faith, like her countrymen, had melted away. Her faith in any other God, her faith in any fortification against the God of Israel was gone. It melted away, verse 11. And she realized that there was no way to stand against such a great God as the God of Israel. And she said, there is no courage remaining in anyone. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth below. Rahab has heard and knows the covenant name of God. Isn't that interesting? She's not saying, you know, God Elohim, which was a general name of God, meaning the mighty God or the supreme God. She is declaring the I am that I am is the Elohim. Jehovah is the Elohim. Your God, the I am that I am. He is the superior God. He is the supreme God. He is the God of gods and ruler of all heaven and on earth. It is because she believes in this God, the I am that I am, that she has received the men from Israel, that she has protected the men from Israel, that she has hidden the men from Israel. In return, she asked them to show kindness. That word, Kindness there is the Hebrew word haset or mercy. She is asking on behalf of her mercy towards these men that she be shown mercy. Remember how Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Here is Rahab, an unbeliever, and yet a believer, showing mercy, and in return, she receives mercy. Now she intercedes for her family. See, her mercy is not just for the spies, but she has mercy for her family, and she intercedes for them. It is because of her faith in God, because she believes that God is Yahweh, or Jehovah, the Elohim, that she has done what she has done. It is not because Rahab is a good person. She's a prostitute. It's not because she is upright. She lives among pagans. And we see that she lies as easily as she speaks. No, it is faith that has moved her to do the right thing. Rahab then makes a covenant with the spies. She vows to continue to protect them, to keep their mission a secret, if they will protect her and her family, 
And they do. They vow to protect her and her family. And they give her the sign of the covenant, which is a scarlet cord. The cord that she lets the spies escape by, that she puts out her window, that the spies are saved by, is the same scarlet cord that will save her and her family. Notice that it is scarlet cord. It is a red cord, the color of blood. It is the cord again that saved the spies. It is the cord that will identify Rahab and her family as those who are to be saved. The cord becomes her identity, her covering, and her salvation. Anyone in her house on the day of judgment will be saved by the sign of the scarlet cord. Joshua 6, 23 and verse 25 tells us of Rahab's rescue. And the young man who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab on the day of judgment, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. This is not the last mention of Rahab. She is in the lineage of Jesus Christ, Matthew 1, 5. She married the leader of the tribe of Judah, Salmon. She is the mother of Boaz. She is the great-great-grandmother of King David. And she is commended as a woman of faith in Hebrews 11. And let me just say this. She's only one of two women mentioned by name in Hebrews 11. And again, she is mentioned as an example of faith in James 2, 25. Rahab's faith brought her into all the promises of God. It not only saved her from destruction, but it gave her a possession in the promises of God. It gave her a position in the lineage of Jesus Christ, and it gave her prominence as an example of faith. Rahab's faith is an example to us of faith of the faith we are to have. Rahab, like all of us, was an outsider to the covenant of God and the promises of God. This is where we were. Listen to this scripture from Ephesians 2, 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without a Messiah, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been made near by the blood of Christ. We were outside God's promises because of our sin, because we were Gentiles, because of our mindset and the things we did, because we were among those doomed to judgment by the wrath of God. We were among the condemned, but God according to Ephesians 2, 4 through 6, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved 
and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, we have been saved by faith and brought deep into the promises of God by faith, just like Rahab. We were saved from wrath when we believed. The I am that I am has saved us through Jesus, the Messiah. Even as Rahab believed in the covenant of God of Israel, that he had dried up the Red Sea so his people could cross, that he had defeated Og and Bashan and given Israel the land, true faith, her true faith manifested itself. When she hid the spies, protected the spies, made a covenant with the spies, identified herself by the scarlet cord, and displayed it from the window of her house and brought her family into her home for protection. So when we believe in the covenant God, Jesus Christ, who has made the new covenant with us by his blood and his body, it will show in our attitude toward believers and unbelievers, showing them mercy. It will show in the fact that we have made a covenant through Jesus Christ, and we identify ourselves with the scarlet cord of redemption or with what Jesus Christ has done for us by his blood on the cross, his redemption, his blood shed. No mistake that this cord that saved the spies and identified Rahab was red, like the blood of the lamb that went on the threshold of Israel's doors during the time of Passover in Egypt to save the firstborn, that the angel of death might pass over them. Just as Jesus Christ's blood was shed on the posts of the cross, that we might be delivered or death might pass over us because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And it is this sacrifice that identifies us as children by faith, through faith, those who will be delivered from the wrath. And then true faith will always bring as many as possible under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ, under the scarlet cord. When I was a little girl, my mother would often plead the blood of Jesus Christ over me. She would say, Lord, cover Cheryl by your blood. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over Cheryl. And I knew as she prayed that I was covered and it became such a comfort, such an assurance because I wasn't standing in my own righteousness or because I was such a good little girl. I wasn't. I was hyperactive. I sinned and I didn't even mean to. It just happened. But I was covered. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I was forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, and it brought me so much assurance. Through prayer, I can bring all those I love, those who are far away from me, those who are close at hand, I can bring them under the covering of the blood of Jesus Christ. I can bring them into my heart and put the scarlet cord out and identify them as those who are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and ask God to save them, to protect them, to bring them out and bring them into the promises of God. True faith will always bring us 
deep into the promises of God. Again, it is only by faith. Remember Hebrews 6 verse 12? It is only by faith and patience that we inherit these exceedingly great and precious promises. It is faith in the I am that I am, the Elohim who has become our salvation by his blood. Rahab was not just saved, but she entered into the promises of God. Again, she married a leader in the tribe of Judah. She became a part of the lineage of King David and the Messiah, and she is commended as an example of faith. So faith will also bring you into the promises of God. Faith that God is God, the I am is the Elohim, that God has paid the price for your redemption through Jesus, that scarlet cord, that his word is absolute and his promises cannot fail. This is the covenant we have with God. This faith will bring you into the family of God, the lineage of Jesus Christ as an heir and joint heir with the Messiah and make you an example to others. The spies brought nothing back to Joshua. Their plans, their reconnaissance, it did nothing. God had a whole different plan for taking Jericho down. But perhaps the whole reason the spies were sent into Jericho was to save this woman of faith and her entire family. Because honestly, when you look at the scriptures, when you look at the story found here in Joshua chapter 2, there is no other purpose for these spies but to go in and to save those who are of faith. Second Chronicles 6, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Or the word loyal there is actually those who have faith in him or are faithful to him. Rahab had faith. God saw that faith and sent those two spies to bring her into a covenant with God and deep into the promises of God. The Bible tells us, in fact, Jesus tells us in Luke 13, 19, that faith is like a mustard seed. And Jesus tells us that the mustard seed is the tiniest of all seeds. But a man took it and cast it into his garden, and it grew and became a great tree. And all the birds of the air lodged in its branches. You see, faith goes in so tiny. I say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe. I I believe in the one I've heard. All of the potential of life and fruit and greatness is in that tiny seed. And whether that tiny seed will become a tree or will become eaten by the birds all depends on the reception that it is given by the soil. If the soil brings it in deep underground and gives it nourishment and water and room to grow, that seed has the potential to grow into a tree. Like an acorn seed has the potential to grow into a great oak. Like a pine nut has the propensity and the possibility to grow into a great fir tree. So faith has a possibility to grow into a great tree 
if we will only nourish it with God's promises, God's word. And that's what we see Rahab, who knew so little, begin to think about how great the God must be that dried up the Red Sea, how great the God must be that promises his people a great land, how great the God must be that can empower his people to defeat giants. And she said, I want this God. And she brought that faith into her heart. And so God sought her out and found her. So our faith grows when we nourish it with what God has done, with God's promises to us in his word and who he is and how strong he is in prayer. And yes, through trials and testings, our faith grows strong into a tree. I don't know about you, but I want tree trunk faith. I want great faith. I want faith that's not shaken like a sapling or a little tree or a blade of grass. I want faith that though the winds of adversity come against it, it stands. Though fire rages through, it's not burned because it's getting its nourishment. Always from the river of life, I want tree trunk faith. George Mueller was one who had tree trunk faith. Nothing could move this man. He believed in the promises of God and the one who promised. And I want to read you a story about George Mueller told by a sea captain. So this is the sea captain telling this story. I went to America some years ago with a captain of a steamer who was a very devoted Christian. When off the coast of Newfoundland, he said to me, the last time I crossed her, Five weeks ago, something happened which revolutionized the whole of my Christian life. We had George Mueller of Bristol on board. I had been on the bridge 24 hours and never left it. George Mueller came to me and said, Captain, I have something to tell you. I must be in Quebec Saturday afternoon. It is impossible, I said. Very well. If your ship cannot take me, God will find some other way. I have never broken an engagement for 57 years. Let us go down into the chart room and pray. I looked at that man of God, George Mueller, and thought to myself, what lunatic asylum can that man have come from? I never heard of such a thing as this. Mr. Mueller, I said, do you know how dense this fog is? No, he replied. My eye is not on the density of the fog, but on the living God who controls every circumstance of my life. He knelt down then and prayed one of the most simple prayers. And when he had finished, I was going to pray, but he put his hand on my shoulder and told me not to pray. First, you do not believe he will answer. And second, I believe he already has. And there was no need whatever for you to pray about it. I looked at him and he said, Captain, I have known my Lord for 57 years and there has never been a single day that I have failed to get an audience with the king. Get up, Captain, and open the door and you will find the fog is gone. I got up and the fog was indeed gone. On Saturday afternoon, George Mueller was in Quebec for his engagement. That's what I call tree trunk faith. That's the faith that, that Rahab ended with, the faith that we see 
in Hebrews chapter 11 and James 2, 25, and even Matthew chapter 1 when she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. That is the faith that goes in like a mustard seed, but given the right reception, brings us deep into all the promises of God. That's the faith I want. And it all begins with simply believing in Jesus, the Son of God, who has died on the cross for our sins and risen again. And putting that scarlet cord of what He has done, who He is, as our identity, um, as what identifies us, we might be identified, the saved ones by Jesus Christ. Let's let faith get this, the nourishment, the room in the soil of our hearts, and the refreshment it needs. Let's strengthen this mustard seed of faith we have, even as Rahab did, by acting on it, that we might, by faith and patience, inherit all the promises God has for each one of us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. That, Lord, even though our faith is small, Lord, you will strengthen it if we will just nourish it with your promise, with your person, and with your word. Lord, we pray that today. Lord, we pray that you would take our fledgling faith and you would make it tree trunk faith that we might be an example to this next generation of what it is to know our God, believe our God, and by faith enter in deeply into all his promises that we might pray for this next generation, that we might believe for this next generation, that we might strengthen the faith of this next generation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.